Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Well, how you feeling today, everybody? The sun did come up, but it's covered with clouds for the most part. It did come up, though. Titans go to New York, and they get really pushed around in the second half. The thing about this thing, Blaine, I, I tried to rewatch the game. I, I, I know I know you're a big game rewatcher, and you and you. I definitely watched the game. If you're new to this show, Blaine's 10-year NFL vet was multiple times All Pro, multiple Pro Bowls. Like Blaine can watch you walk and say one of your toes hurts on your left foot. He's also a doctor, <laughs> or at least a medical evaluator. I think so, that helped me out a lot in, in those Pro Bowls. I, I think it did. <laughs> so here's the thing about Blaine: he can just catch things just in passing. Well, I really need to go back and watch to even try to get a decent idea about what I'm seeing. The defense, they allowed one drive by the Jets in the first half. Yeah, 11 play drive, 75 yards. 75, they got 86 yards and 75 of them came on one on one drive. And here's the thing. A, a guy called in yesterday, he's like, y'all aren't even mad. Well, it's we're not supposed to be mad. We're supposed to be objective. It's not our job to be happy or. Now, was I thoroughly disappointed? Oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> we can be disappointed. And, and Blaine left a lot of blood, sweat, and tears on the, you know, on this field over here, and every field he played on. Um, so it, it's personal, yes. But at the same time, we just have to come on and evaluate what we saw. And it's funny the defense they couldn't quite get to Wilson. They did get one pick in the first half that the, the Christian Fulton that set up their what their third field goal. But you got the offense who had a chance to pretty easily score. 14, 17, 21 points. They got nine. But the defense really played well in the first half. They really did, other than the one drive. And then in the second half, maybe the offense got it going a little, just a little bit more, although Tannehill was still taking too many hits. And the defense gave up big plays. I mean, it's it's one of the – How you start is how you finish, Mickey. Yeah. Yeah. So, I just – I keep thinking, what if this team got off the bus – or just or over here, technically, I don't. They, they drive their own car to the game here. But what if they just showed up and for sixty minutes everybody played complimentary football? What if everybody played to the best of their capability? And I know there's going to be bust. You're going to miss a tackle, drop a pass. I'm not saying that, but the offense was out of sync in the first half a little bit, but they still got some points. The defense was light. Not efficient in the red zone. Not efficient in the red zone. But the defense was efficient all over the field except for one drive. Which is understandable. And then in the second half, you know, the offense gets it going a little bit more, but the defense can't stop them. So it's just, it's always one thing or another. I know they've got injuries, but so does everybody else. When we talk about the matchup every week, the Jets were without all kinds of people yesterday. Yeah, well, they had two starting safeties running. Yes. The defense sure looked really good. Sure did. As I told you, they they, they were going to look pretty good. Uh, and they challenged the receivers. I think oh, that's, that contributed yeah. to some of the sacks. Uh, you know, the guys uh, weren't open uh, is what I saw. You know, there's a couple things that I didn't address yesterday on Titans Radio a- about the offense and the defense, a plan of attack. And the one thing that I saw <laughs> on defense is without Corey Davis, that offense is putrid yeah. in the in the passing game. So why didn't we do two things? Why didn't we disguise and then do something else? Trick a young quarterback so he'll throw you one right in the bread basket. Very simple. You can come up with all the designs you want to, uh, you know, defensive coordinator, and you can, you know, confuse a young a first-year quarterback. Right. All right. Number two, why no double of Corey Davis at any time? 
I don't think they did it at all. So that really bothered me because he was really the only guy that was doing anything that was really big, impactful plays. Yeah. Everybody else was just chain movers, maybe. If you want to give it that. Their running game got going a little bit, but nothing dangerous that could have beat them. Right. Right. But that. Right. So uh, that, that kind of concerned me. And then on the defensive, I mean, the offensive side, why didn't you chip and leave guys in to help Tannehill in the offensive line? Now, you could say, oh, they, they were doing it in the running game. Yeah, they kept tight in. And you, sometimes they run a guy off and act like he's going to run a route, and it's, it's a run. Well, I, I didn't see that too much, if it, any, at all, doing that. And, and that that was a little concerning. Seven sacks. So, I mean, you know, you hear everybody talking about all the, you know, potentials, how many hits he's going to take in sacks. Mm-hmm. Well, this was out of the norm, seven sacks in a game. Uh, so you got to think, okay, well, they probably average, maybe you give up two sacks a game. Or, he's already on pace. I mean, he's going to, he got sacked 24 times last year. He yeah. already has 17 yeah. through yeah. four games. Yeah. So so the, that means the pass protection wasn't very good, obviously. Their run blocking was really good. Uh, so, you know, and then, you know, Tannehill has to be part of that equation too. Uh, and guys, you know, maybe weren't open. So he was hoping that he could hang on to it a little bit longer to squeeze it in there. And instead of forcing something, he just took the sacks. Mm-hmm. Hey, I, you know what? I'm cool with that. And then everybody's like, well, he's. He can't maneuver in the pocket as good as everybody. Did you watch the pocket? There was nowhere to maneuver. No. No. So stop saying that. I don't care what he did with the Dolphins. There was nowhere to maneuver. Right. Now, could he have maybe taken off sooner and go straight through the gap? Eh, maybe. Maybe. Hindsight 2020 might maybe could have done it one or two times for sure. Uh, so at the end of the day, they just didn't make enough plays. Uh, but it is disappointing. From the scheme point of view on both sides to actually the player's execution on whatever they call. I mean, one was egregious. It's third and three. I think all the DBs lined up six yards deeper. I don't know how deep they were at the the first down marker. I was like, what are you doing? No awareness. So I don't care how talented you are, but you must be a smart football player if you're going to play for me. And that's kind of how I think Vrabel thinks. I can't take you through every scenario. Right. This is not college football to help you out. You need to be aware of what's going on on the field, regardless of the call or not. Uh, so I, it, it was it was some things in there was a little irritating. Uh, and then another thing, Fulton got moved into the slot. And I'm going to say this. I wonder how many reps he did in the slot at practice. Oh, my bad. But they got a guy they drafted third round. I'm sure did at least some two reps because that's actually his position. So because he had some boo-boos, some other games, so now we're going to play the college card. Well, he ain't ready yet. Certain matchups is what he said today. We're going to match him up. Well, I think Crowder is a perfect matchup. A little jitterbug guy. He doesn't have a lot of vertical speed. Can he run fast? Yeah, Yeah. but he's not a 4-3 guy. He's right. more four five guy, four five guy who's quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there you have it. So now he is playing in the slot, which he is unfamiliar with. With this guy, you have to scout the players who you're guarding, and you're unaware and you're uncomfortable off the bat. Mm-hmm. And so I, th- there was a lot of uh, little bitty things 
along the way. The delay a game before the field go. How does that happen? Vrabel, players, that cannot happen ever. I mean, so there, there were some things in it. I mean, I'm going to just put it under the clock management. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we need to just call this the, the Hitman Unleashed. <laughs> Unleashed, brother. Just keep it yeah, going. Because, I, mean, I mean, there was certain. Just, and these are little things that pet peeves that bother coaches. You know, the penalties. And some of them weren't justified. But I don't even go. The referees have been bad in two of the games they played already. Yeah. I, I don't think they, they were bad. I just think they missed some calls. Yeah. Missed some spots. Uh, so yeah, it it was just uh, you know it's it, it's just uh, disappointing. Uh, some of it, I, I just wonder, you know. I wish I could be on the headset and, and and be you know, in the ear of what's being said. Because some of it it, it goes on the coaches as well, mm-hmm. and some of this. So you know, but naturally, they're supposed to be able to beat the Jets. I know they're not a bad team. I know everybody just looks at records. I don't do that. I told you this team is very capable of beating the Titans. Because why? Their defense was their strength, and our strength of our team was our offense and Henry and the King. And we didn't have the two weapons on the outside. Weapon, weapon X and Y. They weren't there. So all they had to do was just stop the King. Yeah. And they didn't even stop the King. No. They couldn't even stop the King. Guess what they did do, though? They eliminated everybody else, though. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they got to they gotta get better at pass. Matter of fact, we don't do no run blocking anymore at the O-line this week. We're just going to do all pass blocking. No, I don't do that. But it, I mean, it's just, that's just what they need to work on. It was They're not a, great at it. it They're was not a, good at it. It was a fantastic plan oh. by Sala and them. I thought, though, like, okay, Derrick Henry. Oh, you, Sala had a great plan. Yeah, okay. None of these oh. other guys can beat us. Yeah. But guess what? I tell you one thing. I saw Henry start running out of gas. I thought he was about to rev it up, and it was about to happen. I saw him get a nice little crease and run. I said, oh, here you go. And then all of a sudden, he couldn't do that. He couldn't turn it on. And they were bringing the wood one-on-one tackles by, mostly in those safeties. They was hitting it. I mean, they was doing it one-on-one, exactly the recipe of how to tackle him. Uh, So, yeah, there there were things they missed. Here's what I can say. The bottom line, this is a mantra that goes on. In the NFL, when you're a great player, great team, great players play consistent and bring their A game all the time. What makes you not a great player is your inconsistency. And you don't even have to be gay just to be as good as you can be. Right. Your greatness. So if your role is to be the third tight end, be the best third tight end that you can give in your role. So, yeah, that that that's the issue. All day for the, I guess, role players. Mm-hmm. Well, good stuff by the hitman to start. Uh, we've got Luke Worsham coming up next from A to Z Sports. Obviously, we'll get into all this with him. I know... He asked Mike Rabel today about guys playing off on uh, third and, and short yardage. Uh, so lots to get to with Luke Worsham from A to Z Sports. We'll do that next. Also, we're already getting some ding-dong of the week uh, in our chat. It seems like there's an ample number of ding-dong candidates for this week. We'll do that coming up at 2.20. It is the Monday edition of Blade and Mickey. We know you're PO'd. Going to have open phone line, 615-737-1045. Let's do this Monday thing.
Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Talking about some Titans and some Jets. And it um, it didn't go the way that, uh, that a lot of Titans fans wanted it to. The crazy thing is, though, I, I don't know how many people that were actually surprised about this. Like a lot of people said, I fully expected them to go up there and lose the game because that's what they seem to do. Oh, right. I, I think I thought the opposite. I think a lot of people thought that they were going to win. Maybe it was going to be close, but they were still going to win. We were just the better team and we have better talent. Uh, and uh, they're the Jets and they're not good. They're horrible. They're 0 and 3 and now they're. One and three. Uh, Luke Worsham joins us now from A to Z Sports at Luke underscore Worsham uh, covering the Tennessee Titans on the Titans beat for the A to Z guys. Luke, um, it's one of those things. I, I don't even know where you start. I, I know you wrote about this on A to Z Sports uh, Nashville dot com. There's, there's no excuse for this loss. There's no excuse for it. Let's just start there. Luke, I, I suppose we're veering toward the like denial and bargaining stages of grief where they were like, Oh, but you see Julio and AJ Brown didn't play. And Oh, well, if, if this had just happened and, and, and like my thing is if I were a, a Titans fan, I wouldn't be trying to like rationalize that and, and, and defend what happened yesterday. I'd just be really upset that my team lost to an O and three team that had scored 20 points in three games. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, before we get into all the everything that goes with this, but once upon a time, Mike Vrabel was riverboat Vrabel, like going for everything in London and everywhere, no matter what country they were yeah. playing in. He went for it. And you always kind of, if you know, you go back to your football fandom or your playing or your career at whatever level, and it seemed like yesterday that was one of those things of maybe you should kick the two points. You're a mess. You're beat up. You're injured. You're on the road. You have trouble in the red zone right now, and you you know you manage to just get a touchdown. They're making big plays on defense. Their young quarterback seems to be figuring things out. You do have Derrick Henry. Why not try to end this thing? Get on the plane and fly home. They didn't do it though. Yeah, and he was asked about that this afternoon, and, and he said uh, that he didn't really think about it. I remember watching on the TV yesterday his hand sort of immediately shot up with yep. a one yes. after they scored the touchdown. Uh, to be honest with Mickey, when you started that question, I thought you were going to talk about kicking for the tie, which is also <laughs> very, which is also a very strange situation. Like I can't say I blame him because it was like fourth and 15 from the 40 with 19 seconds left. Like, I don't really know what you're going to do with that. Right. Um, but yeah, I feel like over and over again, we see from Vrabel him not being aggressive. And I don't know what the analytics say about that two-point conversion, whether you should go for it or not. I do know this. More often than not, when they run that zone read from the shotgun with Tannehill and Henry on the two-yard line, hmm. one of them's getting in. Yeah. Luke Worsham, our guest, uh, covers the Titans for A to Z Sports, joins us now on Blaine and Mickey. Well, Luke, how, how concerned are you from this point on? I know it's, it's a loss. It's a huge loss. Uh in all our minds, but uh, how concerned are you with the pass protection? Because the run game still seems to be there and very productive, but the total opposite in the pass game, granted, now the Jets, D-line, <laughs> are the real deal, but still seven sacks, and they didn't make any adjustments. I didn't see any chipping or keeping tight ends in on a regular basis at all. 
Yeah, there was only one thing that worked for the Titans on offense yesterday other than Derrick Henry in the ground game, and that was those outlet screen passes to Jeremy McNichols. Mm. And that's why they ran that so much. Like, I had so many people on Twitter being like, why do they keep calling these screen passes? I'm like, because Todd Downing sees that that's the only thing that's working. And, well, you know, obviously this is where the A.J. Brown-Julio Jones thing does come into play. Because obviously if they're in there, you would expect the passing game to be infinitely more productive. But it is concerning that they weren't able to do anything other than, like, swing passes and, and, and screens to the backup running back. And, and like you said, a lot of that had to do with the pass protection, which, which Vrabel said today the seven sacks were kind of because of everything. Bad protection, not identifying uh, the coverage in a way that would uh, allow them to put themselves in a good protection scenario with the protection call. And he also said there were times that Tannehill was not getting rid of the ball soon enough. And I followed up on that and said, were there times where Tannehill wasn't stepping up when he should have or, or climbing the pocket? And Rabel said, well, it's kind of hard to climb the pocket where, when you climb forward and just run into someone else. Right. So kind of everything went wrong, really, in the passing game. Well, to add to that, though, uh, Luke, is uh, why didn't they attempt to move the pocket? I mean, you go watch, all you had to do is just watch the Jets and what they were doing and say, well, oh, man, we, we didn't get outside the pocket to slow this pass rush down, make them say, you know, slow down a little bit. Yeah, I feel like there was it, it was definitely rife for an opportunity for a, a boot or two, and we never really saw that because Derrick Henry was working. Derrick Henry's always going to work. I'm convinced that even if it was Woodside out there, that Derrick Henry would still work. <laughs> but but you know, it, with Tannehill, because Henry's working, you can run those boots, and they're going to have to respect Derrick Henry on that other side. And like you said, you move the pocket with Ryan Tannehill to the opposite action of where the play fake went, and, and maybe you get him a chance to step into a throw and, and go downfield, which they never really did yesterday. All right, now I'm going to ask you some questions uh, about the defense. We're with uh, Luke Worsham of uh, A to Z Sports, uh, and, and that is I saw no disguise in their defense to try to trick and get them to throw them one for a rookie quarterback. They just try to stray straight up. And the only weapon they really had that could beat them was Corey Davis. And they also didn't even double them. <laughs> yeah. Well, my big takeaway from the defense was the cushion that was consistently Bro. given up. And, and I had some banter with Brable about that yeah. today. And, you know, some people are talking about, well, they ran a lot of bunch out of trips which when you run bunch, when those three receivers are all together, it is hard. You can't press all three of them. You'll, you'll get picked to death. But there were plenty of times where the Jets spread the ball out, and I'm looking at one right now, third down and three in overtime, ball at the Titans' 21-yard line. The Jets are going uh, four wide, it looks like, and Janoris Jenkins is standing 15 yards – not 15 – uh, eight yards away from the line of scrimmage on third and three. Like, Blaine as a safety, does that not just drive you insane? Oh, man, I would have been livid. <laughs> I might have called timeout, and then they would have cussed me out when I got to the sideline. Like, what are you doing? I was like, uh, I don't think the guys like and, that call. And I asked Frable, because I posted something <laughs> with, with, with that picture and with other stuff about and Frable saying about a month ago that, well, we don't coach our players to, to back up in a spread – against a spread offense on third and short. And he's like, well, you know, you guys will just use anything I say to, to – um, and I'm like, okay, so what about that play? And he said, 
Well, I'm going to tell Janoris Jenkins that he doesn't need to be 15 yards off the ball on third and three. And so I'm like, okay, that, that, that makes sense. And I don't know why this keeps happening because when you talk to the players, and Blaine, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but every time I've asked a player, I've asked Jenkins, I've asked Fulton, they always say what's up to us on a given play, how much cushion. It's like, what's happening? Like, why are they doing this? Are they, like, unconfident? I don't know what's happening. Well, I would say sometimes uh, some players are very unaware of the actual situation. When I say this, it's third and three, and they're like, oh, they just line up. Oh, I'm lining up seven, eight yards deep. This is what I do when I play off technique. No, I think you need to challenge them or you need to change up what you're doing because it's third and three. You're going to go pitch and catch right there. Yeah, see, but some players aren't aware of the situation that's going on in the game. They play it as though they're robots. Because that's where they're at, yeah. mentally. And, and, and there was also a play, and it, it was one of the deep shots, and it was an off-schedule place, and I'm not really sure what happened deep downfield in the secondary, but the ball snapped. It was third down and six. And Janoris Jenkins, I don't know if he saw something on tape or what, but the ball snapped, and he just immediately starts taking off toward the, the end zone. I, I, they're, they're playing scared, which is very strange, because I always thought, especially last year, that, you know, maybe they were just worried about not having talent. I mean, it's hard for, uh, what was his name, Jonathan Joseph, for example, to keep up playing press coverage. But they've got talent at corner now. Fulton's playing out of his mind. Uh, Jenkins has done okay. Uh, you've got uh, the Chris Jackson. You know, these guys aren't slow, so I don't know, I don't know what's going on there. Well, with uh, Luke uh, Worsham of A to Z Sports. Luke, you mentioned Fulton playing out of his mind. He's also playing out of position yesterday. They stuck him in the slot, <laughs> yeah. which all of us are like, this dude said last year, hey, man, I, I, you know, this is not my – I really have to learn how to do this. There's things I'm trying to learn. Then you stick him outside, and he's thriving. So Chris Jackson gets hurt. And who do they put back in the slot but Christian Fulton? So they mess up two positions. They move him off the position where he does well and put him in a position where he is – you know, admittedly had to really do some thinking to be there. Yeah, and Vrabel was asked about that today, and, and his answer was sort of, you know, we, we made that decision because we thought it was best for the team, you know, the, the answer you would expect him to give. And then about Molden, who played in the slot for the first two games, said, you know, we'll look to, to increase his role. I don't remember what exactly he said, but, you know, very strange because at that point you're affecting two positions. Yeah. But also, like, Fulton has been so outstanding on the perimeter. And Molden is, by his nature, a slot corner who I would think matches up fairly well with Jamison Crowder, who's more of a, a shifty guy than a downfield speed guy. And, and that's, that's like there's a lot of, 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 a lot of stuff to peel after the trip to the Big Apple here. So you bring up Molden. He didn't play one snap on defense yesterday. Dylan Radins was in sweatpants. Elijah, or I'm sorry, uh, uh, Caleb Farley has now a yeah. shoulder, not the back that he got here with. This is the second year in a row where you're getting nothing from your draft class. And Luke, some jackal, I tweeted about this a couple, you know, a couple of days ago, and somebody's like, "You don't need those guys." Well, yes, you did. You could have yeah. used a tackle <laughs> yesterday, and you could have used two it's cornerbacks yesterday. And you, you could also, have used the fourth-round wide receiver, right? Yeah, you could have used him, too. But you didn't have any of those guys. So, yes, you needed them yesterday, and you're going to need some of those guys to do something for the future, or eventually this team is just going to wear itself out. 
Yeah, and you guys got into this a little bit at the tail end of the, the countdown to kickoff show yesterday. I was able to catch some of that on my way in to do the A to Z show. I, I think there was a caller that asked about John Robinson, and, and you two and, and Kevin started talking about, like, is there a disconnect between Vrabel and Robinson? And I don't think we have enough evidence to to start pouncing on that and talk about people need to get fired and there needs to be some kind of realignment. Like, that that kind of thing is nonsense. But there's certainly a pattern emerging of these guys get drafted, and option A is they're just not very good, and John Robinson's not drafting good players. And option B is Vrabel doesn't like the players that he's given. I don't know what's happening, but you can't deny that there is a pattern emerging here where these rookies are really not being asked to do anything. And it's also not like there's a whole lot of hope for the future in some cases. I mean, go back to the 2020 draft class. We don't need to talk about the lazy panda, but other than Fulton, who are we expecting to come in and, and do anything from that draft class? Murchison's a sub package guy. I guess you're getting something out of him, but Darrington Evans has had a really rough go of it. And then you move forward this year, who's the rookie that's going to help this team win games in 2021? Luke Worsham helping us out right now, talking Titans. He's with A to Z Sports. He's with us now. I'm Blaine and Mickey. <laughs> well, Luke, uh, I guess, what is worse? The Bengals lost last year or, or this Jets lost this year? And tell this me one, why. This <laughs> one. Okay, because well, I, I got asked about this all throughout the week because I was – fairly confident I kept saying you know I trust Vrabel he's gonna have this team ready to play against an 0-3 team and everyone was like well what about the the Bengals game last year I just think that Bengals team was a little more talented maybe not a whole heck of a lot more talented but Joe Burrow I I think did better in that game than we maybe expected Zach Wilson to do but I, I think this one is worse perhaps because of the missed opportunity because the Titans were blessed with, after their one-and-one start to the season, the one win coming against a really tough Seattle team, you get the Colts with a crippled quarterback, and then you get the 0-3 Jets, and then next week you get the Jacksonville Jaguars, who I'm sure will be very focused this week because their head coach has really set a good precedent in that department. (laughs) Um, But they had a chance to go into that Buffalo Monday night game 4-1. and and now at best it's going to be three and two. And I had someone tweet me yesterday and say, we're going to look back in, in week 18 and say, well, if they had just won that Jets game, then you know they may have been seated higher or hosted an extra playoff game. And, look, I think they're going to win the division just because there's not a whole heck of a lot of competition coming out of the AFC South. But they're going to look back on that Jets game at the end of the season. I, I, I think we can say that and, and, and regret what happened yesterday in the Meadowlands. So your belief, Luke, is uh, that it, this team is still a playoff team, but not a Super Bowl contending type team. It's weird because I am fully confident that you could put the Titans against any team in the NFL and they'd have a chance to win. I think that's how talented they are. I think Vrabel's a good coach. You put them against the Bills, the Bucks, uh, the Packers, any of these teams that we talk about as being the best in the NFL, I think the Titans can go toe-for-toe with them. But then also they might lose to the Jets and they might lose to the Jaguars. Like, it's, it's very strange. And I, I will say this, too. I think this team is almost addicted to adversity because we're going to hear it on, on Wednesday and Thursday. We're going to hear the players talking about, 
You know, no one believes in us. Everyone's counting us out. We got to go in there and, and rise above. And it's like, in those situations, they're really good. But when they don't have that to play off of, they're not quite as good. I go back to the playoff run, right? They were not favored in any of those games against New England, against Baltimore, and they went in and won because they were able to, to play against that adversity, favored against Baltimore in the wild card round in 2020, they lay a giant egg and went one and done. And I think that's becoming a real problem. I have to get your expertise here, Luke, and that is Reynolds had a chance to make some spectacular catches, and two of them I thought, yeah, maybe our, our superstars might have made those, but he didn't. Uh, what did you think of his performance in, in Reynolds? And did you consider those drops, even though he got both of his paws on them? Uh, not so much the first one. That would have been a circus catch. I, I did think that was an opportunity for him to really make a play and, and do something because he has been a healthy scratch and, and he needed something to put on tape and give this coaching staff some confidence in him to keep putting him out there. But there were a lot of times where he did get open for Tannehill. Uh, it, it's a very strange situation, the whole Josh Reynolds thing, because back in what April we would have all said – wide receiver two Josh Reynolds before the Julio trade. And then after the Julio trade, we said wide receiver three Josh Reynolds. Now it's like wide receiver six Josh Reynolds. <laughs> and and so I, I do think he missed some opportunities. Sure, it, it was a tough play, that first one. And, and the downfield throw, the one where he kind of got nicked up on, I, I do think he should have been able to come up with that one. Those are two opportunities. He was open, right? He did the hard part. He made the the – the right moves and he got himself open, but he didn't finish the play. And if he had, I think one, the Titans might've won, but two, we'd be sitting here going, okay, so now they're going to get Julio back and now they're going to get AJ back and they have this third option. But instead we're still talking about Josh Reynolds as someone who may be a healthy scratch again, when the two big dogs get back. Mm. Or should we be talking about Mickey Ryan's favorite player that is no longer with the Titans? That plays receiver. He had a hundred yard day yesterday. Khalif Raymond. Khalif Raymond. Yes, he, he really? did for the Lions. <laughs> uh huh. Tiny Khalif. Mm, yeah. They well, they they uh they need some speed. That's for sure. Because I tend to think Cameron Batson isn't as fast as we give him credit for. I think he's more of a one of those shifty lateral agility guys. I don't think he has mm -hmm. the straight line speed. Certainly that Khalif does. Yep, would concur. I guess lastly for me, uh, Luke, and that is. Is the O-line getting to a point where you feel like it's aging and because they're getting hurt almost every other game, or every game so far, really, somebody's gone down. I know they've come back. But, man, this early in the season, it makes me a little never nervous purvis. What about you? Yeah, if you count the play where David Quesenberry got poked in the eye against the Colts <laughs> yeah, and had to miss a that. play, everyone but Nate Davis has been injured at some point already this season. Now, obviously, you, you don't count. The getting poked in the eye but it does seem like at least once every other drive they got to pause the game to tend to one of the offensive linemen and I don't know like I, I think Saffold's playing pretty well I think Jones is playing okay but the shuffling is is bound to catch up with them at some point because I'm all about next man up and we'll find 22 and put them out there but like at a certain point it's just got to be chaos for Ryan Tannehill and for Ben Jones, as the guy who sets the protection calls, trying to figure out, because at a certain point, you can't help everyone. Like, everyone loves to talk about, well, you'll 
you'll put this guy out there and well, you know, you can play David Quisenberry at right tackle. You just got to help him. Well, if you got to help everybody, you can't really help anybody. And it's, uh, it's becoming a problem. And, and like I said earlier, Tannehill didn't have a much of a chance on a lot of those because there was nowhere to climb the pocket. There was no pocket to climb. Luke Worsham. And, and, and again, I'm just sitting here and I'm, I'm looking at my notes and we're talking about, yeah, you know, they just don't have enough tackles that, and they literally drafted a first round and a second round tackle in the last two drafts. And one was in sweatpants. Well, they were both in sweatpants yesterday, but for two different teams. They're, yeah. they're even trying to address the problem and failing. At some point, though, Luke, I think they're going to have to look at Molden and go, just go play. And they're going to have to tell Raidens, hey, you're active today. And if one of these dudes gets poked in the eye or punched in the groin or whatever, you've got to go out there and play. So just get yourself mentally ready. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that. And it, especially with Molden and Raidens, like David Quisenberry wasn't very good yesterday. I, I think you can probably do – it'd be hard to do worse than what they got yesterday. And I think you're right. They just got to be willing to pull the trigger on these guys. If bad things happen, bad things happen. But I, I don't know. Like one argument that people will make is, well, if they play poorly and then you have to take them out, it's a confidence issue at that point. I don't know that I buy that so much because I look around the NFL and for the most part, teams draft players and then play those players. There's no like sitting around and waiting, you know? Well, Luke, we didn't have to sit around and wait for you today, man. Great stuff as always uh, at Luke. Mike Vrabel reads your Twitter. He said so today in the press conference. Apparently so, which is is both flattering and frightening. (laughs) So what what part did he he say he acknowledged that he read? Did he say? Luke, Uh, talk about the the DBs playing off the receivers. He goes, I, I saw your Twitter when you tweeted about that. So follow the guy on Twitter who Mike Vrabel follows, Luke Worsham, at Luke underscore Worsham, right there. You should put in your bio, followed by Mike Vrabel. <laughs> or read, yeah. read by Mike Vrabel. He doesn't Read by you. Mike Vrabel. Yeah, he definitely doesn't follow me. He's a little more uh, sneaky than that. Luke, good stuff, man. A to C sport, A to Z sports, uh, Nashville.com. People can read all your writing there and on Twitter, yeah. too. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, guys. Appreciate Thanks, Luke. it. Luke Worsham, uh, I had a couple of people try to call in while Luke was on. We can take calls in the next segment or the segment after that or really any time. We don't have any more guests today, so you can be our guest. We also have Ding Dong of the Week coming up in, oh, about 30 minutes or so. This is Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Lucas Panzeca had to get up super early and do the uh, <laughs> J. Martin Ramon this morning. He came in here right before I showed. I was like, where are you going? He said, oh, I got to go. Yeah. So said, Joe Hunk had to get up at the crack of noon and come down here and do our show he today. Said, we, so. we, got, we got Mohawk. Yeah, and, and, and apparently it's going to be this way all week, guys, so let's have some fun. Oh, my. Schaefer is uh, Schaefer performing his duty as a yeah, patriotic I'm, I'm American. I'm follow Schaefer to jury duty, make sure he's at <laughs> jury duty. Unless he's trying to get a free vacation or something, man. Right. I don't know about Schaefer. <laughs> if he's going like the Hilton Inn and Suites and just hitting the pool every day or something. Uh, <laughs> phone lines open, Mark Spain Real Estate, hotline 615-737-1045. Andrew will lead us off in this segment. Andrew, thanks for calling Blaine and Mickey. No problem, man. I love the show. I just got a couple questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, is it stressful for anybody else just watching the Titans play? Like, we got studs all over the field, and we can't ever put it together. 
we lose to the Jets. And whatever idiot said we don't need the draft picks, we got a former first-round draft pick playing for the Giants now, offensive lineman. I know if he would have panned out, we could have used him. We got a second-round offensive lineman standing in jogging pants on the sideline. I know we could use him. We got a wide receiver that we drafted that ain't on the team no more. We got cornerbacks sitting on the sideline that we drafted. It's just stressful. Like, like, I mean, we use draft picks on these guys. We need them, especially, you know, Caleb Farley. That's a first-round cornerback. We need him. Look at the defensive secondary. We need guys like that. And it's just stressful to watch because, I mean, I remember, early, you know, back – not that long ago when we were trash, the team was not good. We did not have very good players, and they just never seemed to put it together. And now we got really good players, and it just seems like we can't ever put it together. I'm going to hang up. I'm going to listen to what you guys say. Andrew, hang in there, man. you got to take a, take a couple of deep breaths. Um, <laughs> right. But I think a lot of people feel just like Andrew. Like, what what is going on? Like, what this team won the division last year, has a chance to moonwalk away with the division this year. Can't get out of its own way. Well, you know, one of the, my main deal is every year is a new year. Just yep. because you had chemistry and you were a good player, you may drop down a little bit. You may get better depending on where you're at in your career, or it may be injury prone. Uh, that's why I'm concerned really with the offensive line because to see somebody go down every game, even though they're coming back in the game, that's still part of the issue probably because they're playing through injuries. Uh, so that's tough. So when you got some guys you drafted and they're not participating, not dressing, not playing. That means the coaches don't believe that they're quite ready yet. Yeah. You don't want to throw them in the fire, but man, they they threw Nate Davis out there. They threw him in the fire. He, he wasn't ready. I mean, the PFF grades was putrid, like brutal, bad, like twenty five percent. Yeah, like, like dude, being chemistry type. Dude, grades. did you yeah. just get in the way of somebody? <laughs> what the what the? You know, so, <laughs> yeah, I get what the caller said, and it's tough. And you know, I feel like you got to you know you got to grow. Only way you can grow is to play. Yeah, uh, yeah. They throw the quarterbacks out there, and they're nowhere near ready. And it's a tougher job, not only physically but mentally. Uh, so, yeah, just to see all this happen is really uh, tough because we're having those injury issues. And you could say early on, "Oh, we don't need them immediately." Well, now we do. Yep. And they're not there yet, yep. and that's not good. Whether for whatever reason, whether talent, whether they're just not quite there mentally or injured. Uh, and to me, when you're young, injured from what? I mean, <laughs> let's let's go. I mean, we got Farley here. He's practicing. He's getting back into a groove, and then boom, shoulder. And he got in the game at the end of the game, and he he got hurt again. Yeah. I mean, man, the the you know stigma of being injured is going to be right there with him. He tore his ACL too, by the way. In college, his first year. Uh, so, yeah, we need these guys in the worst way. So that, that's tough. That, you know. Because you said, hey, you just got here. You're not, you're not even beat up yet. You're right. not the NFL beat up. Right. Uh, so you got to play out of desperation. So for whatever reason, I, I just think coaches at this point in time are real nervous to put some young players in and have no experience. Or if they mess up one time and then they just yank and then, them Yeah, out. then out. I, yeah. I'm not a big proponent of that, by the way. If you believed enough in them to put them out there, then you're going to have to deal with, you're going to have to know that you're going to go through growing pains. It's just it's the nature of it. Whether it's, oh, he made a mistake mentally or whatever, just know it's going it's going to happen. And you're going to say, well, it's going to cost the team. Well, they're not saying that when you have a quarterback out there. He's got the ball in his hand all the time when he's a young quarterback. 
He's going to make mistakes all over the place. And maybe they'll get a little bit better, like Zach Wilson did yesterday. Right. They're going to continually like get Lawrence better. Like Trevor Lawrence did last week, who right. could very well be even better, better on Sunday. Right. And we say these are all learning experiences. He has to go through it. Yes. So, I, you know, because to, to, to what the caller said earlier, they called in earlier, is that you can mess with a guy's head mentally, and, and then he can he can somewhat be hesitant. I'm not going to say he's going to lose his confidence, but he can be hesitant now and start playing robotically not to mess up instead of playing freely and just go play. Yeah. And, and people say, well, what is the difference? It's a huge difference because you it's the, it's the guy that's the, I want to do right by what the coach told me. Well, in the game, it never works out that way. It never works out that way. We'll continue to discuss in hour two. Demario, if you want to hold, we'll come to you in the first segment. Uh, you want to join Demario on the Marksman Real Estate Hotline, 615-737-1045. It's Blaine and Mickey, hour number two next.